Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 141st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 533rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred on Monday when Indiana announced its two captains for the upcoming season, selected by a vote of the players, senior Devontae Green and junior Al Durham. It's obviously great news that Devontae earned the captain designation just a handful of months after being suspended for, quote, not meeting the standards expected of an IU player, unquote. It's an important sign that he is entering his final go-around at Indiana with the right mindset and ready to make the most of it, which, given how much he is being counted on this season, is absolutely essential. But I want to focus on Al being named captain, because I think it could have even bigger implications for the future of the program beyond this season. Unlike Devontae, Al will be back next season. At least that's how things currently project right now. And that means Indiana will enter the 2020-21 season led by a senior guard who will have three years of extensive playing experience and one year of official leadership under his belt. That's important. Look at the recent history of IU basketball. The teams that combine talented, well-constructed rosters with experienced internal leadership, 2012, 2013, and 2016, lived up to the expectations we all have for IU basketball teams. The teams that had poorly constructed rosters and that struggled with internal leadership fell short of our expectations. Given how things project right now, the 2020-21 roster is tantalizing. Rob Finnessy should be one of the Big Ten's best point guards. Trace Jackson Davis will likely have matured into a force on the front line. Jerome Hunter could be one of the conference's most versatile scorers, knock on wood. And the rest of the roster will be filled with a useful mix of capable veterans and talented youngsters. What will determine this projected roster's success? What so often determines the success of talented college sports teams? The internal leadership. And this is where Al will play such a key role, like Jordan Holes and Colin Hartman before him. He may not be the most talented player on the roster, but he can be the glue that helps hold it together through all the ups and downs of a long season. And Al has already displayed natural leadership abilities during his first two seasons. He's a tireless worker. He's as enthusiastic about being a Hoosier as any guy you'll find. And now, after two years of leading mostly by example, he seems ready to embrace the role of vocal leader as an upperclassman and captain. And next season, he projects to be buoyed by Joey Brunk in his second year with the program, along with the then-veteran Finnessy, whose role as point guard and probable minutes leader will make him a leader whether he wants to be or not. Fortunately, it seems like he does. Now, this forward-looking banner moment may make it seem like I'm writing off this upcoming season. I'm not, of course. Come on, you know me better than that. But I do think it's worth considering how important Al's leadership can be as a through line connecting this season and next season, which hopefully will represent the next two steps in the Archie Miller era at IU. First, getting back to the NCAA tournament this season, and then contending for a Big Ten title and playing into the second weekend and perhaps beyond next year. And it's not going to happen by accident or magic. And it won't happen as a result of this or that five-star commitment. It will happen because Archie Miller effectively communicates his desire for what the culture of Indiana basketball should be, and then has enough players within the program who are willing to hold each other accountable to that vision. 
Al Durham is one of those players, and his leadership will play a pivotal role in Indiana resuming the success on the court that he, his teammates, his coaches, and all of us expect. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Coach is off this week, presumably still recovering from his first attempt at handling the full suite of host duties on last week's show. And while he may have ended the night lamenting a few mistakes... Yeah, I screwed up two things, though. The bottom line is that he hosted a great discussion with Chronic Hoosier and Galen Clavio, and he also provided this gift of a drop, which you can be sure will keep on giving throughout the season. You dumbass. So kudos to you, Coach. That's on awesome. A great, on a great first night running the point. Mic drop. All right, so here with me tonight to my left, he is the Andy Reid of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most renowned and fun-loving bracketologists. Well, it's been a fun week, Jared. Let me tell you, this is fun. This kind of game is fun. This was fun. All right, well, this was fun. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I did have fun last Thursday night watching the Eagles win in Green Bay. So uh, I just add that to the the treasure trove of fun. Uh, you know, for this week, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about um, Al and Devante and and, uh, and really hitting the backcourt pretty hard. The one thing I continue to be really intrigued by, uh, Archie brought this up a bit more during his uh, Big Ten Media Day comments and uh, it just, just this whole notion of IU really kind of playing through the post and playing inside, relying so much on the front court because that's, uh, you know, where this team has arguably the most depth and, uh, you know, and, and so it's just interesting. It, it makes you wonder whether has, has Archie unlocked some kind of market inefficiency where now everybody's, you know, wanting to shoot threes and, uh, you know, play more, more smaller guys and, and people on the perimeter. And now is, is he somehow on the cutting edge of swinging things back the other way? Or is that just a function of what this team's personnel is? So just being able to watch how this team plays in that way, given the way that college basketball and, and professional basketball has really gone, uh, is going to be really intriguing. We're not going to learn a lot about that at Hoosier Hysteria for sure. Uh, but it is interesting to, to just think about what a team like that may look like. And he talked a lot about you know, the pressure on guys like Jerome and Demise, uh, and the, and the four scholarship guards to really be able to make shots and open things up so that that doesn't become, uh, an issue on the offensive end. And I think the other thing to really watch is how well these guys can play on the defensive end. They're, they're sure to be chasing around smaller players in some cases and, and what that really looks like. So it's something that, you know, for those of us who watch a lot of college basketball is not really the, the kind of, lineup composition and and offensive philosophy it feels like that we've seen a whole lot of recently but um you know continues to talk a lot about more player movement and ball movement uh you know maybe in contrast to some of the things that we we saw last year uh for certain so uh that that to me is intriguing and uh you know i think some of the storylines around the, the you know the two captains that you talked about uh, are things we'll get into here but uh you know as you fast forward to try to figure out what this team's going to look like uh, whether they're effectively able to play with those bigger lineups is going to go a long way toward deciding what their fate's going to be. And to my right, he is a senior writer at the big lead. He is on every athletic director shot doctor shortlist, and he's now back from Italy where he flew last week to surprise his mom for her birthday. Held you in my womb for nine months. <laughs> he is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Yeah, I'm still uh, awful tired from that since I'm also doing morning radio where I'm waking up at 3.30 in the morning. That was just a bad plan. Um, you probably have but, a really stuffed inbox too, don't you? Yeah, I do. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, Tell being important. What are you going to do? Yeah, right? Um, 
I, I wanted to talk a little bit actually real quickly because I think we we all kind of know what's going on at Sports Illustrated today. And I think it's kind of sad to see such a great, you know, I mean, a great publication. I think we all were addicted to growing up and uh, see that they just let go of half their editorial staff today and are going to replace them with part-time writers and, and you know, a patchwork group of uh, contributors with quotes around it. And uh, I think it's really sad day because I think we all understand I mean you look at what the something like the athletic has done and and it still remains to be seen whether that's going to work long term but I think most people feel pretty confident that it's doing very well but it just it bothers me when people acquire these venerable publications and then somehow think that um you know cutting the quality or cutting the 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 full-time writers who make it great is somehow going to make the quality better and and I think that's really sad that we're seeing that happen to Sports Illustrated which for so long has been such you know at the forefront of sports and and you know we all currently because of the show work in sports media and it's it's really sad to see things you know, like all those podcasts on SI now that are really good and all the, you know, deep investigative reporting they do and the things they've exposed in sports. And, um, you know, even just the insider stuff that you get from sports illustrated on a daily basis, uh, you're going to see a lot of that go away because of some of the names of the people who got fired. I know there was at least one IU alum who was in the mix, uh, today who got removed. So, uh, everybody just keep your thoughts with those people because they're going through a rough time right before the holidays start. Uh, a lot of people just lost their jobs. So, um, it, we see it more and more in, uh, in media as people trying to adjust to the internet and stuff like that. And I just think that the, the model they're using at a lot of these, uh, sites to just, you know, completely slash staff and then hope that cheaper labor is going to be the answer when I think we all are, you know, go to a place like Sports Illustrated for quality. We don't go for, you know, clickbaity articles. So, um, We'll see how it works out. Uh, the guys who are in charge there do not have a long and distinguished positive track record. So I'm, I'm not hopeful. Um, anyway, so just thoughts with those people because it's really a shame today to see so many good writers uh, find themselves out of work. It would have been an appropriate time to use the Andy drop. Don't let anybody write stuff online. But, you know, I don't want to make light of it. But unfortunately, that's kind of what they're doing. And it's a it's a shame. I mean, if you're a sports fan, it's it's devastating to see what's happened to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I'm glad you addressed really that because I mean, you know, I think we all grew up on that magazine. I still get it. I still read it every time it comes. The print edition, yeah. you know. It's a, I mean, no, I used to wait. I used to sit and wait near the mailbox for that to come every week so I could read it and and just devour everything in it and how many great writers they had there. And now, you know, it's 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 gotten a lot thinner over the years. And I realized that maybe the magazine aspect of it didn't work but i mean how often am i on si.com online you know i mean and, and looking at si yeah. podcasts and stuff like that it's you know there's ways to make money in this business you just have to be smart about it and uh i feel really sad that the guys in charge are handling it this way agreed all right well here's what we're going to talk about this week we'll run through a few hoosier headlines and then we are going to discuss indiana's newly minted captains in more depth al durham and Devonte green and then, of course, as we always do, we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. First, do want to talk real quick about tickets. As you know, you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets. And this isn't an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live ticket live events, tickets. But with millions of live event tickets, let's try that again. And a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. 
Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. And the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence, like an assembly call listener uh, who emailed me to let me know that he was using our promo code and picking up tickets for the IU Florida State game coming up uh, in December, Ron. Um, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone because it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find uh, tickets. And, you know, my family and I, we want concert tickets, baseball tickets, stuff other than basketball. That's what we use. And by the way, we are going to be up for the Purdue game this year. We've already decided that in February. So if you want to join us at that game, definitely look uh, look on SeatGeek to get your tickets. Get a brother, get some coupons. And best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. I feel like that was a really shaky ad read and one that I've done like a thousand times. <laughs> for some reason, I just couldn't get through it tonight. Yeah, what are you going to do? We all have off nights. It's fine. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we Reading do. is hard. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, okay, so quickly, who's your headlines? Who's your hysteria is Saturday. Starts at 4 o'clock Eastern. Calbert Chaney is going to be honored, uh, which is awesome because he's going into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, otherwise, it sounds like the setup will be pretty much the same as last year. There'll be player intros, shooting contests, dunk contests, scrimmage. If you're not going to go live, you can stream it on BTN+. And yes, we will have a post-game show because we're insane like that. So as soon as the Hoosier Hysteria feed on uh, BTN+, Plus ends, we will go live to recap it. Uh, Ryan, I think you're going to be there. Coach, I believe you're yeah, going to be there. Yeah, I'm going to be too. there for at least for at least a portion of it for sure. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to try and make the whole thing, but at least I'll be there for the beginning for sure. Cool. So we'll I'll, I'll be attending my third soccer game of the day already by that point. So nice. <laughs> You'll be you'll be in a great mood by then. <laughs> I, well, it depends how the first two games go. Really, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll depend a lot on that. Uh, notable recruits, I believe Trey Kaufman will be there. I believe Christian Lander will be there. Anthony Leal, uh, Trey Galloway will be there. Um, so, you know, obviously this is a recruiting event. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the feedback is that we get from those guys. Um, so we'll obviously we'll talk more about Hoosier Hysteria after it happens on Saturday. Uh, you know, otherwise, in terms of headlines, Indiana handed out some awards. Uh, obviously, the captains, Alan Devante, the preseason Ironman award went to Armand Franklin. Which is really interesting, and I want to get your guys' thoughts. What on was that. the okay? So the Iron Man Award. Did we get a specific read on what that went to? I, I saw that they handed it to him, but I, I don't remember they, exactly. They Archie, Archie explained it a little bit. There, there's some kind of quantitative thing that went into it. It wasn't just like, hey, let's give Armand an award. Like they they measure you know something with different times that they're running and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Um, so you know, but it was basically a recognition just of how hard he's worked. So I guess my question on that one, because I find that one really interesting, that Armand wins that. Andy, do you take that as a great sign about just the mindset and work ethic and maturity that he brings to campus, or do you look at it and say there wasn't a guy who's been around here for a few years who could have won that award and set the pace for the freshman? Because you kind of go either way with it. Uh, yeah, in the absence of of true knowledge of what actually went into it, I I, I listened to the same thing you did, where Archie kind of talked about. You know some of his times from different you know running things and and other um you know kind of cardio type type things i i'm gonna choose to see it as a positive for him and i i put that in the the lens of you know again this team does not have a ton of depth in the backcourt and so there's a lot that goes into being able to play in the big 10 and and play at iu and all of those things and so this is not to say that 
a a a physical fitness award or whatever we want to call this is going to prepare Armand Franklin for it. But I think it's good to see that he's adapted so quickly to the rigors of practice and the things that are going on with IU that he's able to do that. And I think that bodes well that uh, if called upon, he could potentially be a, a contributor. And there are minutes to be had, and Archie mentioned that a couple of times, where you know they, they really like the depth of the team, but there's not, you know, they've got who they have and, and there are roles up for grabs that guys can really grasp onto. So I think it, if nothing else from a work ethic and standpoint speaks well of Armand uh, and, and a guy that we all view as a, you know, four year foundational type guy. Um, I think that's a pretty good start. I mean, to be able to do that within your, you know, first couple of months of being at college, I would say is pretty impressive. So I'll take the, the glass half full side of that. And going back to what I said during the banner moment, I mean, that's a guy who projects to be one of those important leaders. You know, I don't, you know, I think Archie kind of talked about, you know, one of the things now he's trying to work with Armand is just talking more, you know, being more vocal, but that's common for a freshman. But in terms of leadership by example, you know, he's clearly got it. And so I think that's a great sign to see. Obviously, Big Ten Media Day was this week, uh, Ryan. Any any big take, you know, a lot of the stuff is stuff that we've heard before. I don't think there was really any breaking news, but was there anything that jumped out to you from uh, what Archie said? And obviously, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk more about Devontae and Al, who were there with him in the next segment. But anything jump out from what Archie said? No, I think that, you know, the focus on being big, I think, was was really interesting um, because especially because Archie was a guard. You know, I mean, usually those guys want to make the team in their own image. And the fact that he's sort of talking about how, yeah, it's our strength that we're big and we can play inside and, you know, and, and also the focus on. Uh, the wings and the opportunity that those guys who are wings have and those, those bigger wings with, you know, he may specifically mentioned to me as Anderson, Jerome uh, Hunter, having an opportunity to really, you know, help out this team. And um, I think to he's a guy who's kind of been forgotten this off season a little bit and rightfully so, because we didn't see much from him when he was on the floor last year. But again, a guy who we've heard some people say he has a real chance to be the guy who makes a big jump this year. Um, so I think there was there was a lot of optimism about not only size but the, the attacking the wings. But with Archie, you would think that you know the big focus would be the backcourt, and it wasn't. And and I think that's interesting. Um, to me, that tells one of two things that uh, I think that means he's got some quiet confidence in the backcourt and doesn't need to really talk about it. Um, while on the other end, he's really excited about the size they have because they've been undersized a lot of his time at Indiana. And so now you've got waves of guys up front and in the front court. And and the fact that he's getting asked about it and commenting about it on his own um, says something. I mean, Indiana's going to be big this year and, and, and big and probably pretty athletic from the wing too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he deploys that group of guys uh, and who gets, you know, first dibs and, and second dibs and the ability to, to get in there and really mix it up. Yeah, I, t- I, mean, I tend to think it's more the first that he's got quiet confidence about the backcourt. I agree. I think so too. I, I that was the, really what my takeaway. Um, but also, I think he's pretty excited about having that front court too. Yeah, and yeah. I thought I thought a couple of his comments just around uh, you know he alluded to you know just having different people being able to step up and not being as reliant on you know a couple guys being a little bit harder to game plan for. I think in that regard. Um, you know, I think everybody's natural reaction is to look around and try to figure out who's going to fill the scoring load of a, a Romeo and a, a Juwan. And I don't, you, you listen to him talk and, and everybody kind of looks at each other, doesn't really have a great answer. And you kind of say Devante by default and, and move on. But, you know, his comments really, you know, led me to believe that I don't know that he thinks one guy has to do that, uh, which I think is 
hopefully encouraging. You're trying not to get caught up in the, you know, complete and utter optimism of the off season as we, we often do. But, um, I, I do think he feels like it's a really balanced roster with a lot of guys who can contribute on any given night. And he said, you know, you know, having a home game where four guys scoring double figures and being able to, to really be difficult to prepare for, uh, and, and not letting defenses be able to focus in on one or two guys. Uh, I think that, is probably music to people's ears a little bit where, you know, we'd come on shows last year and say everybody's kind of standing around waiting on somebody to make a play. I think this team isn't going to have that luxury. So whether out of necessity or whether by design, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of different things offensively than, than what you did. And I think it's um, encouraging that, that he believes that so many guys can be able to step in and contribute um, and to talk about it really being for a team that, you know, really being a deep team, uh, and you can kind of see it. He talked about how, you know, so many new guys last year have now learned the ropes and able to pass that along. So that part to me is exciting. And he seems excited about the depth as well. Uh, one question for you guys. Scale of one to 10, how surprised were you that Al Durham was picked was one of the captains when it initially came out? Surprised when it was announced and then not surprised at all with about five minutes of reflection. Yeah, no, I meant when it was announced. Like, were you surprised? Initially? Yeah, I was a little surprised. I, I figured it would be Devontae and Duran. I was That's a little, I I was a little well. bit surprised, but, you know, I think it yeah, makes I a th- lot of sense. Yeah, and I think... And it's a player vote, too, so, I mean, it's not like Archie picked it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I th- yeah. I, just to be I was, clear, in case people don't know that. I was pleasantly surprised. I just... Yeah. It, it it was surprising to me. Uh, I thought it would be Devontae and Duran for sure. I thought maybe they they might go with three and, and throw in a third guy. Um because we've seen that before, but I, yeah, that was surprising and uh, positive for, I mean, we've heard all off season how hard Al's working. So clearly he made an impression on his teammates. I think yep. you saw him try to do some of that from a leadership perspective last year. I, I recall shows where we would come on and say he was really trying to, you know, I think when he really had a spark and was attacking the basket, I think everybody followed his lead a little bit. And some of the comments that Archie made was, you know, he's a guy that nobody's going to has anything bad to say about. I think he's just a guy who based on, work ethic, energy, uh, all, all those kinds of things really has a respect to his teammates. So I, I, I was like you, Jerry, probably a little bit surprised at the beginning, but once you really thought about it and you kind of think back to how he was last year in situations where they needed somebody to you know, step up and provide some energy and, and leadership, you saw him try to do that and just really grown into that role. It's been a good week for uh, Joel and the Al Durham fan club. So hopefully that uh, carries into the season. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to talk about Indiana's newly minted captains, Al Durham and Devontae Green. Each will have to step up his game in a big way for Indiana to go dancing. Do we think they're up to the task? We'll discuss that. Plus, I have a major announcement next here on the Assembly Call. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Thank you, Ethan. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris, and I'm here with the original members of the band, Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, back again, getting some some preseason warm-ups in here uh, as we get ready for this very intriguing season that we have coming up. And guys, you know, we talked in the first segment about how Al Durham and Devontae Green were named captains, so I want to you know kind of dive into those guys a little bit and talk about each one. And let's start with Devontae, because 
you know, I, did you guys get a chance to read the Dustin Dupirac article in the Athletic uh, about Devonte? Nice yep. work, you know, Dustin. By the way, yeah, it was it was another really well done piece, and I think you know you read that, you watch Devonte, you know how he carried himself, things he said at media day, and just you kind of hear some of the things that people are saying about him. He's voted as a captain, and you know it's it's easy to start really buying into it and and to get excited about his senior season. And and what what really stood out to me was, you know, discussing the suspension from last season, he basically said that it made him value more the role that he had at Indiana. And I don't think it's a, you know, you look at the evidence and it matches that up, Andy, because after that happened last year, you know, we know, you know, he kind of came back a different guy. And, you know, he was huge in that win at Michigan State. You know, he ends up, you know, finishing the season, those last seven games, you know, scoring 15 some points, really stepping it up. And, you know, it's kind of been this this weird offseason storyline where it's like, okay, Devontae's got the talent. He's going to be a senior. We saw it at the end of last year. He's going to be the go-to guy. There's a lot to get excited about. But it's like, you know, everybody who's a fan of the team kind of stops before they fully embrace it because of some of the inconsistencies that we've seen. So, you know, what are your thoughts now as we get closer and closer to the season? How confident are you about so much of this team's success this year riding on the shoulders of Devontae Green because I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, there's a, a you know a lot of how Indiana does this year is going to be based on the production and the consistency they get out of him. Yeah, it, you know, a couple of things struck me between the article and and hearing Archie talk about him. Yeah, you know, one of the first things that Archie said when he was asked about you know kind of what it what it said to him about Devontae being a captain or, or just kind of about him being named captain. And and he went pretty quickly to maturity. And I think you see a lot of that in the article as, as Dustin kind of walked you through his career. And um, I, I think you do, you know, again, it's easy to say this when you're sitting and listen to interviews and, and different things like that. But um, being able to, you know, he, he certainly seems like a guy who has matured and, and kind of been through been through some things over his time at IU and I think you know the article gave a really good glimpse into you know his his really crisis of confidence or whatever you want to call it that that he had over you know various points of his career where you know seemed like the first year yeah it's you know was playing a, a you know kind of the role you'd expect a freshman to play and expecting to grow that to grow and um, not really moving on the trajectory that that he wanted it to and and for somebody who as you go back through some of his high school numbers and things like that um, you know had nothing but success and was such a prolific scorer and um you know brother goes to the nba i think there's just a lot of pressures on him um that you know you probably do about it in retrospect you're like yeah you should have seen that or you could have seen that but um just kind of listen to him talk you know hearing some of the discussion i think jeff rabjohns even asked him about it at the media day about you know how does a guy who scored this many points like have that go through those stretches where they just don't have that confidence. And um, I, th- I thought it was a really good look into him. And uh, it seems like a guy who's able to put, you know, failures or different things behind him a little bit quicker than maybe he was uh, in his younger days, which to me kind of circles back to the maturity component of things. Yeah. And and as we've talked about, Ryan, you know, ad nauseum this offseason, he seems like a guy that's finally at peace with his role. And a guy who, you know, with this new coach, Archie Miller, that didn't recruit him, but that has had him for a couple of years. And, you know, you could tell when Archie first took over, like he saw something in Devontae. I remember him talking about, you know, he's got yep. a little city in his game. He's got that ability. And yet it just seems like they haven't been able to consistently be on the same page. It feels like they're entering this season on the same page. 
And I think that's so important. That's the biggest reason why I have so much confidence in, you know, in the Devontae breakout this year. Yeah, I think that for a long time, the relationship there seemed like Archie really saw something, as you said, in Devontae, but also saw him as the most frustrating player on the team because he couldn't get him to perform to the level he knew he was capable of consistently. There was no consistency. That was Devontae's problem. It wasn't a lack of talent. It wasn't a lack of, I mean, some degree, a lack of focus, but it, it was consistency. He just wasn't consistent. You didn't know who you were getting from game to game. We've seen that with IU players, some IU players recently who, you know, for the first couple of years were guys you couldn't rely on. And then all of a sudden they turned it around. I, Troy Williams was that way. You know, the second half of his final year, that was a guy who was so key to the team's success. Um, I, I think that with Devontae, Reading that uh, article by Dustin DePirek, and if you guys haven't read it, go read it, The Athletic. It was fantastic. It was such a really interesting insight into a player we haven't had that deep a look into during his time at IU, and you're just kind of guessing what his motivations are and um, you know what made him tick and what made him inconsistent and things like that. We really never got a look at that, and I think that that piece really helped me understand who Devontae Green was, and I think that that suspension last year really focused him because it, it I think that he realized that basketball could be taken away from him for the first time in his life. He realized, hey, this is something that matters to me and it's gone right now temporarily. And coincidentally, he came back and he started playing much better and much more consistently. And he just seemed to finally fall and settle into a role. I mean, as you said, Jared, there was a stretch at the end of the year last year where he was amazing at times. And, um, you know, I don't think you're going to get that every game from Devonte green. I'm not expecting that every game, but there needs to be some level of, you know, uh, just something he contributes every game. And there needs to be some level he can hit like a baseline level he can hit. And if you can get that from him and it's high enough that it helps the team, that's what's going to be key this year. And maybe they feel that's definitely coming and that he knows that now. And I think that's why you see him get voted captain, but he's always been a popular player on the team, regardless of what's been going on. Um, I know he and Deron Davis are really close and it's not surprising to me that he got named captain after the way he finished last year and all the positives we heard this off season. Yeah. And also just another great, example of why give us access to these guys you know like let us get to know them you know that the article that Eddie Cotton did on on Devante last year that really talked about his backstory his upbringing it helps make these guys three-dimensional human beings instead of just two-dimensional guys we watch on the screen of the court and it just it makes the fan experience better and I think it allows fans to empathize with these guys more and get on their side you know as opposed to just going off only what you see on the court I think that's so important so yeah, anyway I think, I, I, yeah just just oh, one yeah, quick thing on that I mean I think when you look at what what everybody's impression of him was on the court was like an overconfident guy and and you read a piece like this and it was almost the exact opposite of how he was feeling when he was out there. So uh, I, I think it's a good point about giving the access because it's so easy to, to kind of read read a guy one way uh, on the court and and then really the reality is something entirely different. But you know, you know coach had Archie's quote in the chat that he's that Devontae's got a lot of rope. So uh, I think. Hopefully that speaks well and they're kind of at a good place in their player-coach relationship at this point and, and know what one is expecting of the other. Just like Ryan's, you know, overconfidence masks debilitating insecurity, you know? <laughs> right. That's my issue. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, <laughs> um, I teased big news 
I do have an announcement. So I, I've kind of been driving the Devontae Green train this offseason. Although I will say, I was encouraged to see Brendan Quinn, never one to buy into any Indiana basketball hype at all, had Devontae Green on third team all conference, which I've kind of been saying, you know, he could be an honorable mention all conference type guy. You know, Especially after the way you finished the season. Yeah. yeah I, so this is all, all almost always based on the last thing you saw. That's what those. Yeah. Based. But but nice to see that from Brendan. But here is is my announcement. The breaking news. I have accepted the position of president of the Devonte Green fan club. It's been coming all off season long. That is big news. I I'm gonna you know he, you know it's it's one of those things. It makes you you know a little bit nervous to fully buy into it. But I'm I'm gonna kind of stake my reputation on this. I really think he's gonna have a big season. I'm buying in. Now I'm gonna ask you guys because obviously when you do this, my confirmation bias is now automatically gonna lead me to you know want to see the good in Devonte. So you guys have to hold me accountable. Make sure that my analysis of him is as objective as it needs to be. But I am going to be the president of the Devontae Green fan club. I'm wow. fully bought in. I am ready for this great senior season narrative of Devontae turning it around and having a great senior year. And I want to be at the front of the train driving it. So, Did you get business cards made? I might. Mm. I might. I need to ask Joel. He's got his business cards for the Al Durham fan club. But yeah, you're not official. We, you we haven't had an official fan club on this show in a while. Andy had the Robert Johnson fan club. You know, We haven't really had another one for this season. I'm going Devontae Green fan club. That's it. All right. That's my announcement. Right, it's it's right. a thing. So I'll see if I can join one. I thought I thought you were going to announce that you were actually were wearing a shirt because many in the chat have been concerned that you were doing this shirtless. So <laughs> oh man, that I boy, that color of that shirt know. really does kind of blend in with my skin. There color, multiple 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 comments were made, but a couple people expressed some relief when they saw a button, I, so that they knew that it was so. It really, is I that. thought that's what you were going to announce, but either Simply both call. exciting. Either way, we're Just, good with it. Just uh, trying to make the show a little more appealing to the ladies. That's I was going to say, simply call after dark <laughs> yeah. lives up to his name. Yes. <laughs> In the chat, Jared, did you hit your head? I did not. Look, I figure everybody kind of thought this was coming because, you know, I've been uh, obviously very positive about him all offseason. So mm -hmm. it just feels like the natural evolution of this offseason. All right. Let's talk. Let's talk real quick about Al Durham. We talked about his leadership. The thing I want to talk with you guys about, you know, I think there are two areas where he can really improve. Defensively, He's been good. He's been a very good on-ball defender. I mean, he's an outstanding on-ball defender. The synergy numbers back it up. You can see it with the eye test. He's, he, he has struggled more in help situations and just kind of defending guys off-ball, chasing. He you know doesn't recognize screens very well. I feel like this is something that as a junior with more experience, he'll get better at, more strength. I think some of those things are things he'll improve on. And if he can add that to the on-ball defense, he's got a chance to be one of the best defensive guards in the conference. You know, and he can guard bigger guys because of his wingspan. So that's an area that I really look for him to improve. But I think, you know, what Indiana is really going to need from him, obviously, is steadiness at the backup point guard position. And he's been a guy who, you know, he doesn't turn it over a ton. He usually makes good decisions. Not a great creator. You know, he's not a big assist guy, but, you know, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But where I think, Ryan, we really need to see him get back to being Al Durham is driving to the basket. Because yeah. what I found interesting looking at his numbers, you know, his offensive rating actually went down from his freshman to his sophomore season. And that's with his three-point shooting going up and the, 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 the proportion of three-pointers that he took went up from his freshman year. But his efficiency went down. Why was that? 
Well, it's because he was really efficient at getting to the free throw line and on two-point field goals as a freshman. He shot 50% from two uh, his freshman year, and his free throw rate was 48.7. As a sophomore, his free throw rate was only 31.3. And a big reason for that, when you dig into the numbers, is in the pick and roll. You know, as a freshman in 27 possessions where he kept the ball in the pick and roll, he scored 1.148 points per possession. That's 98th percentile. He got to the free throw line on 37% of those possessions, and his field goal percentage was 61%. Now listen to the numbers from a sophomore year. In 51 possessions, this is pick and roll. He keeps the ball. He's driving 0.745 points per possession. Got to the free throw line on 9.8% of possessions. His field goal percentage was 35%. A huge drop-off. And you know, to me, there's a couple reasons for that. You know, One is just a lack of respect from officials. I mean, there were some times Al needed to get more calls. Hopefully... Hopefully, as a junior who does all the right things that you think refs would like, he'll He's get more calls. Talk to refs before the game. Yes, things. But to be fair, he also kind of tries to sell the foul a little bit too much, and his reputation might have caught up with him some. And instead of just going to make the basket, he tried to draw the contact. And to me, that's one of the reasons why you know the field goal percentage dropped and the free throw rate dropped. If he can bump those numbers back up. Which again, you know, he's stronger. He's going to be more experienced. Hopefully, he gets more respect. He seems to function better as a driver, be more comfortable. With, he, he seemed to with Romeo off the court last year, so that might open things up for him. I think we could see those numbers go up. And now he projects to be an 11, 12, 13 point score based on last year. And that would be an important bump for this team. So, you know, when I look for the things that Al can improve on, you know, that reasonably, you know, you could expect to, to be better. If he can keep the three-point percentage about the same, even with the line moving back, that to me, Ryan, is where he can really take a big step up because we've already seen it from him. And that would be really big for Indiana offensively. I think the key, too, is going to be finishing through contact. You know, It's not so much getting fouled and getting to the line for him. It's ignoring the contact and and being able to finish. And with how hard he's been working the offseason in the weight room and obviously working on his shot and all that stuff and, and... all the work he's been doing, that should be something that he's better at this year because he was still very skinny last year, still you know, got, got bumped around a lot. Uh, he's a more mature guy now. He should. We haven't seen him, but he should be stronger and, and be able to finish through those, that kind of contact. I mean, that, that's, that to me is the biggest thing is that last year, a lot of times he did get fouled going up and not get the calls. And, and I think that you know, when you're in that position as a guard who's going to be driving a lot, you need to be able to push through that and, and to, to, to get through the contact to the hoop. Also, good point from Charles in the chat. He did have the hand injury as well, and that could, have, that could have affected him too. I know it affected his shot, so that might have affected some of his aggressiveness as well. Andy, as you kind of look forward for Al, what are your expectations for him this year? Yeah, I think the the free throw rate's a big one. He actually led IU in in free throw shooting last year, which I mean, given how the team shot is maybe not the greatest of compliments, but it is uh, regardless, uh, he was the he was the best at 74%. Uh and, and I think yeah, I mean, you look 50% on twos in in his freshman season and to see that drop, you know, about 4% to to the 45.8 uh range, you know, on not quite double the attempts. Um, definitely, definitely hurt his three point shooting to your point offset that. Uh, and I think he is going to be a guy who, if the matchup is right, needs to be able to take advantage and try to try to get to the hoop, uh, and potentially in a, in a spot up situation, really be able to knock down some shots, which he was, you know, a a bit more consistent with the thumb injury certainly played a role down the stretch of, of his shooting tailing off a little bit. Uh, but he was also a guy who could make some shots. So 
if you're going to play through the post and dump it in and, and reverse the ball, he's got to be a guy who's there ready to shoot and, uh, and able to knock it down. And, and his work ethic from that standpoint is, is good. And, uh, you know, rebounding, that was another thing that, that dropped off for him a bit from year to year. Um, you know, defensive rebound percentage was, uh, almost 11% his freshman year, uh, dropped off to, you know, under seven last year. So I think that's another area where, you know, maybe they don't need that as much with him with the size that they have, but, uh, that's been a, a pretty constant drumbeat from Archie of, you know, having the guards help to rebound and be able to get, get the ball out and really push the pace. Um, that was something else that Archie said with him. He likes his, you know, his pace and being able to kind of get out and, and really push things. And, and again, for a team that while we all hope, uh, that, that they're going to be better shooting the ball from the perimeter the team was really a lot more effective last year when they were able to get some easy baskets in transition. So he's one of the guys that can unlock that part of the offense as well. Yeah. Look, you know, these two guys, obviously they're captains. They're, you know, two of the four ball handlers on this team and they're two of the best outside shooters. A lot is going to be expected of Al Durham and, and Devontae Green. And obviously other guys are going to have to play big too. I mean, Rob Finnessy is probably going to lead this team in minutes. You know, he has a huge responsibility. We've talked about all the big guys, but you know, I think, you know, we talked about the big guys, Ryan, but I think this team is going to be powered by its backcourt. Like that, I feel like, is going to be, to be the engine of this team. And these two guys are going to be really important. And I think, you know, there are, with each guy, there's reasons to say maybe he won't be up to this. Devontae, the inconsistency. Al, you know, not the high-profile recruit and still a guy who's limited, you know, with what he can do offensively in certain respects. But I really think when when you look at how they've grown, you look at some of the things they do, in areas they can improve that are reasonable, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about these two guys. And so, you know, we'll we'll see, obviously, when the games start. But I, uh, I'm i excited about the senior year for Devontae Green and the junior year for Al Durham, and we'll see how high they can take this Hoosier team. All righty. Coming up in our third segment, as we always do, we will answer your questions. we got a really interesting one about the pack line defense and how the extended three-point line might affect that, and then a bunch of follow-up questions about the name, image, likeness thing. We'll get into both of those things coming up next. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for the mailbag. All of these questions submitted in our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community, which you should definitely consider joining with the season uh, coming right up here. Um, so look, a couple interesting questions here. This one from Anthony. He says, I have run the pack line D for years coaching my junior high team, and I appreciate the benefits the system provides when it's run correctly. Closing out three-point shooters well is a key to this system's success. All IU fans nodding in agreement. How do you think the deeper three-point line creating longer closeouts will impact teams running the pack line, and will it be a detriment to an IU team that must take another step forward with their defense this year if they hope to reach the NCAA tournament? I know, Andy, we talked about this earlier in the offseason when we addressed the longer three-point line, but maybe it's a good time to kind of refresh this conversation. How do you how do you expect that to impact Indiana and, and maybe teams running the pack line generally? I, I don't know that it just doesn't feel to me like the the difference is enough to really no. 
It's matter. not like it's three. It's not like it's five feet. You know. Yeah, I, well, okay, I, but it, but Anthony's defense, I mean, you know, how much longer is it? It's a what? It's a foot longer, right? It's about a foot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I get that it's different. I, I I feel like I keep going back to like as far behind the line as it feels like most guys are shooting. I just don't know in that regard. So not necessarily that the line isn't different, but where guys may actually be like setting up. I don't know that 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 part is um is that different. So I I tend to not read too much into what that might look like, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm underselling it. No, I, I actually agree with you. I think that a, um, it'll probably be uh, any difference to the defense will probably be offset by the fact that guys will be shooting from a longer distance and percentages might go down a little bit. So I think those things will offset each other because it's, again, it's not that far. And, and, for the most part, guys are shooting it deeper these days anyway. I mean, how often do we say, oh man, NBA three or, you know, even, a, you know, a deep pull up. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it'll have that big an impact. Look, if they were moving it back four feet, then that's something we could discuss, but I just don't think it's that big a difference. I think it's big enough difference that you'll see a slight downward trend in percentages. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be monumental and it's going to be a three-year adjustment period and all that. I really don't think so. Do, do you think it is at all? Because as Coach says in the chat, deeper line means longer closeouts for all defenses, not just yes. the pack line. But yeah, I mean, do, that, do, you, do you think there's anything about the pack line that would make it maybe just like a tick more difficult for them or you know, a tick longer to get out there just because we've, you know, we've already seen that you know, that's been an issue at times for pack line defenses, even though we've all looked at the stats and that narrative is a little bit overblown. If they're disciplined, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's you know, it, it might look bad in one pack line defense if, but that's going to be if the players aren't disciplined and and aren't yeah. you know maybe the first year as we've talked about the third year in the pack line defense is usually a big a vast improvement everywhere on the team. You know, if you're in the first year of it and you've never run it before, it might be more glaring than than not. But I don't think it's going to be something that that IU is going to have to worry. Yeah, I mean, to to me, it's do you just take all right? If the line's a, a foot further back, do you split the difference and say, "Hey, I'm going to set up to to cut off driving lanes six inches further out"? And to me, that just doesn't seem like it ends up no. being a meaningful a meaningful difference. But I guess time will tell. I don't I don't necessarily feel like I'm trying to think back to the NIT games last year. I didn't necessarily feel like IU was any better or worse at you know getting to shooters and in, in those scenarios there and that was really um what it would be I think if you get it's just not a big enough difference if you get sucked too far in you're going to get sucked too far in if it's you know a foot yeah. further out otherwise so I think if you stick with the principles of what you're doing and really you know kind of know where you're you know as coach kind of put it in the thing the, the actual pack line itself um if you if you stick to where you're supposed to be there. I don't know that it makes a huge difference. And as he said, Packline gives up three when there are bad help decisions, just like exactly. any other defense. And that that's really the key. And that's not going to be affected by the length of the three-point line. So great question, Anthony. Appreciate that. Uh, from Patrick, and this gets back to the conversation about that California bill uh, that's going to allow scholarship athletes to uh, profit off their name, image, and likeness, or at least to not be prohibited from doing so. Do you think IU players will benefit more or less than the top programs when the players can get paid for name and likeness? Ryan, what do you think? Um, I think I would consider IU a top program as far as visibility goes. So I would say it's they're probably going to, you know, players at IU are probably going to do very well because, I mean, especially if it's mostly a local thing and, and, we, and we don't see 
uh, as many national ads. Uh, obviously, if you're a five-star Zion Williamson type, you're going to get paid big bucks nationally. But if you are, you know, insanely visible in the state of Indiana as IU basketball players are, you're going to have plenty of opportunities there to do statewide campaigns and all that stuff for advertising. So I think IU players would do very well under that system um, just because of how visible Indiana basketball is in the state of Indiana and even the surrounding states a little bit. Um, So, and you know, they're in a big time basketball conference in the big 10. So then maybe even more of a reach. Um, yeah, obviously not as much as like a Duke or a Kentucky right no, now or a North course. Carolina, yeah, but, but, given, Duke, but with the potential to get up there, you know, if they can actually, if but Duke can and Kentucky, because the remember, brand is strong. You got to remember with Duke and Kentucky, it's not just like they have visible programs. They're also bringing in guys who are going to be top five picks in the NBA draft. And that's why they're getting so much exposure. I mean, yeah. Zion Williamson, didn't get all that attention just because he went to Duke. That had something to do with it. He he got all that attention because we've been watching Zion Williamson play high school games for three years and you know see his insane athleticism and things like that. Wherever like Romeo he, Romeo would have made pretty good money. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of really, a chick, yeah. It's like a chicken and egg argument, right? Is it mm-hmm. is it really the fact that you went to Duke or the fact that you're a five star? I would lead more toward what Ryan said and the fact that if you're a five star, you're on mock drafts, you're all over all these things. Like those are the ones that people are going to want to throw things after. Now, do you go to Duke because they've had a bunch of other guys do that? Maybe That's you do, the balance, but I don't know that that in and of itself is a, is a factor, but we all know the passion for IU. We know that there's, you know, all these theories about, Oh, boosters going to throw a bunch of money at somebody to do whatever. There are boosters at IU with money, just like there are at a lot of other places that if they really wanted to say, Hey, go rep my business for X amount, then, yeah, if, and and I guess my point would be Zion Williamson could have gone to South Carolina and he would have been just I mean he would have been enormous last year. Maybe maybe going to Duke elevates that a little bit because he's in the national title conversation all that. But wherever he went, he was going to be a superstar. Yep. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that is going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Saturday after Hoosier Hysteria. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Nice. We good? We are good. You should really find Jeremiah April on Cameo and get him to say, I never miss a turnaround jumper or an Dude. episode of the episode. Man, that's a deep If he was throw. on there, that would be. That, that is a, that's a deep cut. That is a deep from cut, a, folks. From a Mississippi Valley State postgame show. Like you, six years ago. you would have had to have been around a long time. Yeah, watching. I would love to go back and find that and get that drop. I don't know. I'm sure I have it somewhere. That'd be once I have a lot of extra time someday. I'll go, I'll go do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff, man. Um, cool. So, who's your hysteria? Looking forward to seeing how Jerome Hunter looks out what there. What time does it? What time does it start? It starts four. at four Eastern. Okay, so one o'clock here. Good. That will make me more available. So that's a positive. Good. I mean, for those that like me. You know, you know. If you don't, that's a real negative. You dumbass. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, that's we're gonna use that one a lot. Um, any uh, any fun stories? Uh, my twenty one hour twenty one hours of flying time to Italy. That's that was fun. Um, so for those who don't know, last Thursday at six a.m. I flew to Dallas. I was in the same town as you were Jared. in Dallas, and you didn't let me know. Well, I was at the airport, Jared. Hey, um, how long were you there? Like the, the say a short the way, time. Say a short time. He's gonna be pissed. Say a short on time. The, on the way there, it was like an hour. I had like an hour layover, which Good is answer. enough time to get on the, you know, the the whatever it's called, the tram to get to your new place. On the way back, I had a couple hours, but I had to go through customs, recheck my bag, like all that stuff. So I really didn't have much time. Sorry, Jared. Uh, you weren't gonna bust through security to to come hang out with me. You know, there's nothing he'd rather do than hang out at like an Actually, airport Jared, w- with you. So how dare Jared, you, <laughs> Jared? I will say, uh, I almost wound up having to stay overnight because they switched swapped our plane out on the way back. I would have called you if that had happened, but it, it didn't happen. We wound up they wound up putting us on another plane. So, hmm. um, sorry, buddy. Uh, but really, then I really dodged a bullet on that. Yeah, one, if, I, if I desperately needed you to avoid staying in a hotel and paying money, I would have called you. Well, no, I would I would have stayed in the hotel. I just would have gotten dinner with you or something. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, there, there's a there's a Hyatt at the at the Dallas airport, right? Yeah, I would just, you know, I would have done that and charged the airline for it. Um, but yeah, so I flew to Dallas, uh, then got on a plane and went Dallas to Rome, uh, in coach. I'm I'm a I'm a big guy, so coaches, it's not great for eleven hours. And uh, it was it was pretty miserable, but landed in Rome at 6 a.m. Uh, it's Italy time. Uh, couldn't sleep the whole way because I was just wildly uncomfortable. So I watched like nine movies. Um, got to Rome. My sister and brother-in-law flew in from New York. We met there. They landed about a half hour after I did. Drove up to uh, Umbria where my parents stay and surprised my mom for her 70th birthday. That was Friday morning. We're there at a big birthday party for my mom Friday night. We're there Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, my brother-in-law and I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and drove to Rome, which is like a two and a half hour drive, got on a plane and flew all the way back. So it was like three days worth of worth of Italy. Uh, and the plane ride on the way back, was that was a rough one too. It was 11 hours of no sleep or anything. Um, then I got to Dallas, had to do all that stuff and come in. So yeah, it was rough. And then... So I got back on uh, Monday late. Tuesday I worked, and then Wednesday I had to started a three day guest hosting stint on the morning show. So I have had no sleep for about the last week. It's it's been pretty bad. So I'm enjoying that this show is over, and then I can finish my work tonight and go to bed. We're, just, we're gonna start a new segment instead of AC After Dark. First world problems with Ryan Phillips. Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> first world problems. Absolutely, but. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! I'm just so I I am miserably tired, though. I will say that it was it was one of those things that seemed like a really good idea when we were planning it, and then, man, yeah, the aftermath has been rough, but it all worked out. You no, know, it's for your mom. Almost surprised, yeah. They're good people, right? Jared? How long until that debt is paid? 
Seriously. That starts to pay it off right there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I'm starting <laughs> Am I going to be paying away. for that forever, Jared? <laughs> I'm starting to chip away. I'm starting to chip away. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, it was really funny because people were like, oh, well, at least you got to like sightsee or whatever. It's like, there was not much sightseeing going out. It was like such a like whip around trip that we just, we didn't really do much. We just hung out, which was fun, but we were just hanging out as a family, but it was now, when was your mom going to be back in San Diego? The The funny part about this is your mom, li- your parents live in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So you could have done they're, this they're in not, San Diego. So you, they're not everybody flew, until, to, flew to Italy. To yeah. Italy. Well, they're not back until like mid-October. They go, oh, okay. they usually, like, I mean, for a long time, they were going for six months a year, like three, yeah. just two stints of three months. They've shortened it a little now. Um, but this time they're there for like five weeks. And then we, for my dad's 75th, we flew out and surprised him. So for mom's 70th, we figured, okay, we got to do that too. You know, we got to even, even, even the, even the, things out. You don't want yeah, to be jealous. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was my last week. So that's why I wasn't on the show last week as you announced on Twitter. Uh, it was also yes. very, very hard getting nobody to say anything, but we pulled it off. Yeah. Well we did. Okay. But I think it was like maybe two or three shows prior was it? I think it was it was just me. Oh no, yeah, it was the show that Dylan was on. It was me and Coach and Dylan. And at the mm-hmm. very end, like you know, like right now, basically all the shows over. You know, no one's really listening. Uh, Coach said something like, you know, Ryan. I think we were talking about who's going to be on the next show, and he's like, yeah, Ryan's going to be out. I was like, no, I think Ryan's going to be here. And he's like, no, I think he's going to be out. No, he's going to be here. He's going to be on the show. <laughs> Coach, I think he's going to be here. I. I kind of felt bad. I think that's the first time I've ever lied to the assembly call audience, but uh, it was it was to protect all for it was a to good protect your cause. secret, you know, for all uh, the people that are watching sixty minutes into our show where we're bantering about nothing. Who would we were we were at that. we were at dinner uh, a few weeks before they left to go to Italy because they were there for they've been there since beginning of September, and uh, Madeline said something about oh well you're going to be flying in like two weeks or something like that and. <laughs> And and I was like, I'm not going to be flying it to you. She's like, Well, don't you have you have flights, don't you? And I'm like, Nope, I don't. And she was like, You dumbass. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought she blew it. I thought she. I thought we played it off. We played it off pretty well. But I was like, No, I don't have flights. <laughs> Which always looks real natural when you're. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. And I, you know, you I could have just planned like a separate fake trip someplace else that you yeah, could have been like, like oh, I yeah, I was going to go to. I, you know, and I don't overreact to anything. So, uh, no, of course, not at all. <laughs> <sighs> all, right, all right. Good stuff, guys. gents. I'll see you Saturday. Saturday. Andy, we'll see you next Thursday. And then I guess for the next few how shows. Long, how long is. Uh, was Hoosier Hysteria last year? It's like an hour and a half, right? Yeah, I think that feels like about right. Hour and a half. It was a little shorter hours. last year, I think. I it was feel. it was snappier, so I'm yeah. hoping that it's like that again. Yeah, it was definitely less than two hours last year because I think because yeah. Jared, you went last year, right? Yeah, yeah, and then Ryan, we got on, and then Jared, I think you called in from yeah. from there. Um, yeah, I feel like it was relatively short because I, I remember, I remember feeling like I was kind of scrambling to like get started because I assumed that it was going to run longer, but yeah, yeah. cool. So, and then I guess right. for future Thursday shows, we can do the rest of the individual player previews. And yeah, we know, may just have to kind of pair up guys like sense. we did for this one. Yeah, maybe it's position Makes group. Sense. Do it by like position groups. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, everybody. We will see right. you Saturday after Hoosier Hysteria. Later, right. guys. Sounds see good. Thanks. Bye. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. 
they're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details.